Wow, we've gone this far into it. Have we ever actually made a dub bear joke? I feel like we had to have dub bear. Feel like it. What are you watching? Dub bear. Dub bear. I think we need to bring that in. Actually, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that we have. First week is forks, and if you get lucky, you make it to spoons. Do you think this is below you or something? Man, I think I'm 45 years old polishing forks. Go get him, Richie. Thank you, chef. Micro basil. Fuck yes. Did you talk about this? Manja, baby. Welcome to the Bear Brigade, presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. I'm Magna Mills, and I'm here with the Soup Deucer to talk about season two of The Bear from FX and Hulu. I'm just drinking a ice cold course light tonight, keeping it real chill, easy, smooth. Had a little bit of a cumulative hangover from uh, Sunday still, so I'm dealing with that. How are you doing, Soup? Uh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. I'm keeping it pretty mellow today myself uh, at a medium pace, some PBRs as usual, and and uh yeah enjoying a nice fucking mellow evening shout out adam sandler and the uh the at a medium pace there that's a, a good one especially if you know where that shampoo bottle is going thanks yes. again for checking out the bear brigade presented by regular dudes watched up you can find us wherever you get your pods and on youtube we're on social media at dudes watched up please don't forget that shampoo bottle it needs to be returned to where you found it and don't forget the flaps Follow, like, and please subscribe. This is how other people find our show, how they discover our channel. It helps us out a ton. We greatly appreciate it. If you had fun, don't forget the thumb. And again, the shampoo bottle. And I am literally the regular dude here. I have worked in various retail industries, but not really in any kitchens or restaurants. But the soup deucer most definitely has worked in many kitchens, restaurants, et cetera, et cetera, in the food, restaurant, hospitality industry. So he will kind of be... Our veteran here. Uh, Soup, what are we talking about tonight on the Bear Brigade? Forks, man. An episode coming off of an episode that has, uh, you know, we talked about last week with fishes, and it was kind of like an episode of its own. So now we're kind of back in the world of uh, modern time uh, with the bear and what's going on. You know, I mean, they're getting very, very close to uh, to opening. I believe at this point it's four weeks. And Richie is sent to a three-star fucking michelin restaurant to work which he believes is as punishment for a week this is very cool because uh we see a lot of uh a lot of inside uh inside uh detail and, and the way places like this uh operate man which is which is definitely extremely interesting and uh not what not what you would expect if you've never seen anything like this i have never worked in a fucking michelin starred restaurant either so uh this was definitely very cool for me as well this is uh this is definitely a uh, a very important episode and ranked very highly in general consensus. I believe it's probably ranked number one as far as some of the reviews and shit that uh, that I've looked at as an uh, overall episode of the season. So without further ado, uh, let's get into it, man. And before we do, let me just also remind you guys that we're gonna be talking about this episode. So it's a full on spoiler about Forks, episode seven of the Bear, season two. So we're gonna be saying everything about this episode during our fucking episode recap here and uh towards the end of the episode we might talk about future shape we'll let you know when that happens like the man said this is season two episode seven of the bear the 15th overall episode of the show titled forks released on june 22nd 2023 along with the rest of season two directed again by showrunner show co-creator christopher store this is the ninth episode of the bear that he has directed written by alex russell this is his first written by credit on the bear guest stars include Jillian Jacobs as Tiffany Germovich, Andrew Lopez as Garrett, Sarah Ramos as Jessica, Olivia Coleman as Chef Terry, and Adam Shapiro as the Ever CDC. The short plot summary is 
Richie is sent by Carmi to Ever, an upscale fine dining restaurant for the week as an education. He is deeply skeptical of the restaurant and annoyed by having to wake up before dawn to meticulously clean forks. After seeing how dedicated the restaurant staff are to their customers, Richie has a change of heart. He becomes enthusiastic and learns to expedite a busy dinner service. When the week ends, Richie is sad to leave and he actually inquires about staying on permanently. Before leaving, he meets the owner, Terry, who recounts the origins of the restaurant and how she overcame her professional setbacks. Terry adds that Carmi believes in Richie and assures him that his people skills will get him far. Uh, Soup, I think it's pretty fair to call this the, the Richie episode, quote unquote. What do you think of Forks, man? Uh, I think this was a, a great fucking episode. It is the Richie episode. Um, if you were to if you were to say, you know, Marcus had kind of the Marcus episode and then there was uh, Berzato's uh, episode, you know, uh, in Fishes. And yes, it's definitely the Richie episode. It, it definitely solely revolves around him. There is it's not all him though there there is a little bit of uh you know of some of the other things that are going on you know, back at the bear and and uh and stuff which is cool that that that, that got sprinkled in as well so it's not just focusing totally on what richie's going through here at the uh at the uh restaurant at the other restaurant but uh but yeah definitely definitely his episode and it is a huge episode for him i mean it's it's incredibly well written and it's talk about character development this is one of the best i've ever seen yeah what's amazing is they followed up fishes after that episode the way it ends how do you follow that up and if you remember that episode ends on a fork right on a fork stuck in a cannoli that's how it ends and you just go and it's definitely a theme throughout the season is the forks and i think it's really cool i mean you know mikey's throwing the forks in the last episode that's all sugar was allowed to do was like clean the forks and set the table It, it it's just so cool how it keeps coming around again uh we don't want to spoil something for the future but there is a there's more forks coming let's just say that a little more fork talk it's a restaurant probably not a shocker that there's going to be more fork stuff uh but seriously start out with fork dude i mean this is richie dog you give it up for him man all right you want me to fork i'll fork he will fork with it man you know and just even throughout the episode just the way he kind of finds his place right or he gets that you can work hard like this and not just and do it for real like really care the way they care and you see it start to carry over to his house that one morning he kind of just looks at his like dirty counter and just cleans up real quick and then right. by the end he starts he, he goes from he hates to wake up by the end he's waking up before the alarm yeah 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 and i like just that, that little stuff started. like that uh, the musical choices are right <laughs> everything is top notch and you just get you know multiple cool things because it starts out it's it's pretty well split into the acts and then like the second act when he's done with forking and he starts the trail and he puts on the suit and i think is that trent Reznor? maybe the and the music kicks in it's got like this cool little techno like electro oh just in yeah it, shout out uh, it, it felt like very tron like or something you know like a, but it was really cool and it got you excited i think at that point richie really started you know to buy in when he's seeing what happens with like the couple who saved up all their dough but they give it to him for free anyways and then like the, right. the surprise and everything like that i think he really buys in in a way and also kind of believes that he can do it too you know he respects himself he got for you know for the first time he saw what it was really like to uh you know to to make the guest happy more than just you know here you go was it cool all right you got it on time nice get the fuck out of here next you know i mean this isn't the beef anymore man so this is a, an entire fucking experience an entire dining experience man which is uh 
totally different than just slinging fucking sandwiches. And, uh, he, you know, eventually he gets it. And this was how he fucking learned it, you know, just by just by being there. It was that important, you know. And shout out everything with the restaurant. I mean, it's so cool. This is all based on a real uh, restaurant, I believe, actually called Ever Like This. And uh, even the, the deep dish thing, I think, comes from the story of a chef who did that for, like, someone in New York who didn't have a hot dog. Like, they wanted to have, like, a street hot dog was the regret. So he, like, had someone go get a dirty street hot dog and, like, played it and everything and gave it to him. I think it was kind of the, the origin story for this. But yeah. uh, the casting's fantastic, too. I mean... Yeah, I, I love it. You got like three main characters that we kind of meet throughout the episode who we'll talk about, but I think they all nail it. And the show has nailed the guest casting all year. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't even know what show could compete with uh, with the guest casting on, on this level. Succession dude. was very good. The Succession was really, really good. Don't get me wrong, but this is way up there too. And, you know, especially they're nailing the guest casting and the music generally every episode. So that's a big part of it. It is. It is. And speaking of that, we love the music of the bear. And this episode does not disappoint. We definitely get a wide variety of musical selections here. We get uh, Glass, Concrete, and Stone by David Byrne. Love Story by Taylor Swift. Everything Burns by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Bad News by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And Diamond Diary by Tangerine Dream. I mean, dude, they got Taylor Swift and they got Trent Reznor. Uh, any thoughts on the soundtrack from Forks, man? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> to go from Taylor Swift to Trent Reznor and have and you know in the same twenty fucking minutes or something, fucking solid. But also, I could do without Taylor Swift. I could care less. I don't like that kind of stuff. Yeah, whatever people do, um, that's fine. But uh, I'll I mean, say it's the most I've ever liked Taylor Swift. When Richie's in the car singing, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm feeling like with that. that. Scene. I do like that scene. It is. You like know, he's like just speeding like down a back alley and everything. And yeah, then they bring yeah, it around right. at the end of the episode. I think that's for me, at least that's the best possible use of Taylor Swift I can imagine. Yeah. And there's a thing with it, you know, with the tickets. with his daughter, right? That's why he knows the so. words. And if you're a parent, you know that, right? Or even like a housemate of somebody, if they really like a song on an album, you're probably going to know the words, whether you like it or not. Right, right. Um, so, so I get it with with the Taylor Swift thing. That's fine. Uh, the fact that they, you know, fact that they were, I'm sure that song probably cost them a lot of money to put in there. So, right, good for them, and that's cool, man. But uh, shout out Trent Reznor, dude. Had two tracks on this uh, episode, I believe. Yeah, he's done a ton of score. He does way more scoring, I think, than traditional music now, or at least over the past maybe what, 20 years at this point. And he's good at it, man. He's got that certain like he's a he's a musician. Yeah, not just the albums were always kind of stories. Any like they were more cohesive, like as a whole kind of than you know a lot of records of the time were probably. It wasn't just a bunch of singles usually. Like he was always kind of into that kind of longer sound. You know what I mean? He wasn't like real poppy generally. So yeah, shout out Trent Reznor, man. I've always been a fan uh, since back in the day. I love the early Nine Inch Nails and everything. I mean, he is a brilliant, brilliant musician. He's a fucking genius and. Uh, you know, he's been out all over some other soundtracks and shit as well. The Crow and fucking, uh, I'm trying to think of, there's, there's Did definitely- Did Natural Born Killers? Was he on there in some he way? He was all over Natural Born Killers too. I think he produced that one actually. That's what uh, I mean. I think that was the first one maybe where he really was kind of more involved other than just, you know, maybe contributing a song or something like that where he contributed towards the score maybe. Right. One but, of those I mean, 90s. Uh, his, uh, you know, that industrial rock or whatever that that is Nine Inch Nails and stuff in his kind of style is awesome. And, uh, you know, he's a composer. He's not like a, you know, you think you, you say the word composer, you think fucking, you know, Mozart or something like that. So a different style of music, but he definitely composes this music and he's a fucking genius. But yeah, shout out Trent Reznor and shout out 
whoever fucking is in charge of the soundtrack and putting the music in the bear because uh it's nice and and david byrne too man yeah that was the Everybody opener right the, the yeah. uh, yeah. was he talking heads yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That big, David big Byrne was even talking, talking heads. Sorry, that's what I thought. Uh, right. Because he actually, I think, became <laughs> a director too, or at least directed a couple flicks or something like that, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't know. I'll have to look that up if he was in, involved in that or not. He, uh, he definitely directed something. I remember. I can't, I couldn't tell you what it was, but in like the 80s, 90s or something, it came up in something I was researching. So it's definitely a, a very interesting selection there, as always. I uh, really enjoyed it. And dude, I know you've kind of been dying to spend more time in the kitchen this season, and we get some here, but it's really mixed in with Richie's experiences throughout the week. Let's start with the forks, right? Because that's where you have to start. Is this a, a real thing? I mean, maybe here it's forks, but you start out on the bottom, like like a McDonald's, right? When you start by like sweeping the floors, and then you had to work your way up to wash the lettuce or something. Yeah. <laughs> then you'd be on yeah. fries, and then, then it's, you make a system manager, and that's when the big bucks start to come in. That's right, man. That's right. I, it all depends on the restaurant. Yes, forks are important in almost any fucking restaurant, at least any restaurant worth the fuck. Um, I, I did say earlier, I, I never have worked in a starred fucking restaurant, but I have done fine dining. And polishing silverware is a big fucking deal, dude. You got to have clean, nicely polished fucking silverware, man, because it's one of the first things you see, and that's what your utensils that your guests are using to eat with, you know? So it's important, you know? You're not going to some trashy diner with a fucking you know, where you might get a fucking, you know, smudgy, dirty fork. This is, I mean, this is probably actual silver they're using in there, you know. so the I believe, yeah, because he asked for the polish, right? When he finds Chef right. Jerry, he's looking for the polish. So I'm assuming it was real silver and silverware. Yeah, but any of your any of your upper-end restaurants or even your fucking mid-grade restaurants are, are making sure their forks are fucking polished. I mean, polishing silverware is a big deal. Anyway, you don't want water spots on them from the dish machine and shit like that, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's a thing for sure. And I mean, speaking of that, how about the, the smudge here? That's it's probably over the top in the way they do it, right? That's the very, very fine dining aspect of it costs forty-seven seconds and it screws up the plating for the whole four top or whatever. But is that kind of real? What happens if somebody makes a mistake like that? The cascading effect or what have you? It it is um, because like once one thing is fucked up, that means you have to redo it, which is fucking with your time because everything is time. Time is so fucking important, man, and every second really does count, you know you try to factor it in because not everything always runs fucking perfectly so that you have to leave a little bit of room for fucking margin of error and, right and, margin and, of and error basically and shit. you don't want that shit to happen but if it does you want to be able to fucking counteract on it you know so yeah something like that sets you back and uh you know in the and on this level a smudge can do that you know on some levels it might be like oh fuck man you know this plate is fucking broken and missing a chunk should i serve this food on it you know i mean <laughs> no obviously you don't but uh so replayed it or whatever the fuck i mean obviously whatever that might be a little bit far-fetched but things like that yeah it's important man and anything that sets you back is gonna take time away from fucking other shit that you're doing you know so it could throw everything off snowball effect kind of thing yeah i did love that i'm not like real ocd but i do really like love attention to detail and everything is just so precise in this episode i mean when richie comes in at the beginning that's like the cleanest kitchen i've ever seen in, in my whole life and uh, you know they keep coming back and every second counts and you just get the idea it garrett mentions here richie gets bored right the forks after nine hours he wants to wash dishes says no we have the best dishwashers in the world dude just slow them down Right. Is that because can that be a real thing? Are there people that are that? Because I have to figure there are some people that while they haven't gone pro, they've washed a lot of dishes in their life. Like what's what's the high end of yeah. a dishwasher? Like, can you make 40, 50 bucks an hour as a dishwasher in a place like this or something? Like I, I is there a contest? 
Like, you know, you have best bartender in the world. Like it, that feels like it's a- important to have a good dishwasher though, dude, it is. And you know, uh, it's a, like with anything, it's about having a system down, man. You know I mean? And they probably have their system down where this goes here, this does this, this goes to the machine at this right, time. You wash everything in a certain order, probably like you have a, a flow to it. Yeah. So you get somebody else in there. Now you well, even if they're fast, they'll be fucking up the flow basically. Right, right, yeah. So uh, I'm sure even even dishwashing in a place like that takes training. Shit, dishwashing at fucking, you know, uh, the dive down the street takes a little bit of fucking training. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I get it. I mean, every position is important. And the dishwasher is a fucking important position. So don't downplay that spot either, you know? I mean, no, I just thought that was cool, that, you know, because I don't think people ever <laughs> really think about a dishwasher like that. And this doesn't seem like a huge place, but they say it takes 200 people to keep it running. So I think that gives you an idea of the attention they pay like they have the dude who just they have a, a researcher basically like maybe he also does yeah. their social media but a dude who's just like researching their customers and everything and then they had like the whole like the pre-service meeting or whatever i'm assuming is that kind of standard at least to like give out the, the specials or the, yes, the menu, that kind of thing i'm assuming that's something that happens like between shifts or before you open or that kind of thing it is absolutely fucking imperative actually man we used to have the huddle Huddle up, dude. You know, and then we go over, yeah, pre-shift meeting, whatever it is. You have to know what's going on. You know, uh, this goes for front and back of the house. Important both ways. Uh, important for the front because they're the ones that are relaying all the shit to the customers and, you know, and, you know, and giving everything to the customers, you know, the service and the food and the drinks and everything else. So what I say all the time is, you know, you don't want to look fucking stupid. If someone asks you a question and you don't know what the fucking special is, you don't know and you look like a fucking idiot and it makes the restaurant look bad you know i don't like looking like a fucking idiot so i want to know what's going on you would think most times people don't want to look like a fucking idiot i want to know what's going on but a lot of times it's not like that people don't give a fuck they you know they'll cruise in they won't know shit and they just try to fucking wing it man it doesn't work that way i mean it can but you end up looking fucking stupid and at the end of the day, it, it could affect your tips. It could affect the business for the restaurant. It could affect it in the long run repeat business for the restaurant, you know? So everything's important, man. Every second counts and every everything about it is important in every way, you know? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. If I go to some place like that, even if you go to like a pretty decent steakhouse, you don't have to be, you know, Michelin star or anything. A lot of times they'll come out, they'll give you all the specials off the top of their head, all that stuff. And then, you know, you, they'll take your drink orders and all this. And a lot of times they'll take your order. They don't write it down. I'm always impressed. I always like to tell them, like, just, just good job. Yeah. Like, like, cause I would want to write it down just to be sure I have a pretty good memory, and, but I would start doubting myself because I'd want it to be perfect. And that would right. bug me. So I feel like even if I could remember it, I'd write it down, but they, you know, especially some of the specials, they rip it off and you can tell, you know, they've done it a few times, but they're new that day. It's not like they got to memorize it two weeks ago and it stays the same every night. You know, it, you got to come in and, and get it down. It's like an actor learning their lines kind of. I always thought that was, you know, pretty cool and definitely a skill really set you have to have to be a really good server. Right. And not every, re it depends on the restaurant. You know, um, I work in a restaurant where specials change every fucking day. You know, I mean, I make different specials every day for both lunch and dinner. So they change twice a day, really. Some of the lunch carries over into the dinner, but there's always different shit going on. So not only do you have to know the menu, but you have to know what the different specials are every day. It's, it's sometimes it's fucking, you know, eight to 11 different fucking specials in the span of a day that they have to know, which is, which is kind of, you know, a lot, but it makes us what we are because it's kind of our thing. So some restaurants are like that. Some restaurants are, you just have to know the fucking menu. Some restaurants are so particular with just the menu that they're more detailed than the ones with the fucking specials, you know? So at the end of the day, it just depends on, on, on the restaurant, but also 
no matter what restaurant it is, you don't want to look like a fucking dumbass that doesn't know what you're doing. They ask you what the fucking drinks are and you don't know what's on tap, dude. Like, go back into training, you know? Yeah, it's just a bad look. And I thought it was really cool, the small detail. Like, the wait staff don't talk to each other, but they pass the notes. You know, I'm assuming like in that. the back end, people do talk, but is that kind of, obviously that's a thing, right? Like, people talk about the tables. Like, if there's somebody who's an asshole or whatever, do they get like flagged like that kind of? Yeah, so yeah, 100%. Man, I mean, we've all seen waiting, and it's not always like I that. didn't want to go right to waiting. But yes, if, <laughs> if you haven't seen waiting, you should see waiting and then just don't ever go to a bed again again or whatever. <laughs> yeah, now it's not always on that level of shit, but uh, but yes, you know, you know, if these guys are dicks or whatever, because the things are talked about behind the behind the curtain, you know, always all day. So, okay, and then just a couple of more like food oriented details. Uh, we see up front they kind of have everything color coded. Is that a thing? That's definitely a thing uh, in, in summer. It makes sense. There's, um, that's they see, they're worried about thing. dietary restrictions and things like that. But I mean, this is the detail they have about like these people eat slow or whatever. That's probably a little bit above and beyond what most people would know unless you, you know, had a regular like that or something. But yeah, like they this. got a guy that's researching these fucking customers. So they have it like that. And that's cool. But uh, yeah, you're not going to see that in, your, in any average place. Um, there is going to be like, okay, well you'll have your regulars where you'll know shit like that about like I, I know she doesn't I, I know this lady likes her chicken cut up a certain way or whatever the fuck you know I, I know they're gonna want uh chips and queso instead of fucking whatever the fuck as a side or you know these people want vegetables you know you get you get your fucking regulars where they have their habits and shit and they stick to it there's that but as far as like just on a, any given night random people that come in you know, even if you're taking reservations and you can research the people that are in there, like he's gonna, you'd have to have somebody just doing that. But if you're a place that's employing somebody just to polish fucking forks all day, you probably, you know. <laughs> well, at least you could probably, if you have, say, a social media person, they might be able to also do that. Like that could be and part of their job response. You know, right. they're also, you know, posting pictures and doing the the Twitter, or the X, or whatever you want to call it these days. You know, all that kind of stuff. It would make sense that that would also like fall under their. Uh, you know, jurisdiction, so to speak, or job description, maybe, I guess, would be a better way to call it. We saw a lot of prep here, but not a lot of specific food, except for uh, one thing. My note says hibiscus tea with the cloud, like that's cotton candy. They dropped in. Uh, just any thoughts on that? I, I loved a little bit where Richie's like, what does he say? Like, holy fuck or whatever. And the, the chick's like, took the words right out of my mouth. Garrett yells at him for cursing or whatever. And the chick's like, yep, that's uh, the right reaction. I mean, that's, I mean, real shit, I'm assuming, right? People actually, that wasn't just for the show. People make stuff like that. Yeah, uh, table size service like that is definitely a huge fucking thing, man, especially in your upper-end restaurants, and that is a very cool one, man. I've never seen anything like that personally, but I would assume that it is some kind of con cotton candy or something like it, just to, the way it melted immediately in whatever liquid it went in. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it was some kind of a hot hibiscus tea, is that what it was, right? And, uh, you know, so so if you drop cotton candy in anything hot, you know, it's going to do that. So I'm assuming it's something very similar to that, if not that, you know, just to and have some kind of sweetener for the tea, maybe. Obviously flavored with uh, whatever the fuck they want. Just look cool, in. dude. There's like smoke yeah. coming off it and, and everything. Smoke, yeah, the smoke coming out of it is a really nice touch, man. And the, the design of it is fucking amazing. I mean, again, attention to detail and everything else. Having something smoking like that, I would it would either have to be something that's still sizzling i would think or you know we used to do it with butter you can send butter out on a cast iron it will sizzle the fuck up out of, out of anything you know but uh but this is probably something more like dry ice maybe or something to that effect making that making that happen like fog you know yeah and one of my absolute favorite parts of the episode and maybe honestly one of my favorite parts of the entire series so far is the bit with richie in the deep dish 
you know, he gets the note from the waiter about like they heard the people I think on table nine they're talking about they haven't tried Chicago deep dish and the whole thing and he goes out and it's just little things the music when he goes out to pick up the pizza and he gets there it's under Richard it's not under Richie he put it under Richard he called that in he put it under Richard deliberate you know what I mean like I feel in the suit now he's gone from Richie to Richard a little bit at least uh, to the people outside the restaurant or whatever and then the way it's prepared is pretty awesome. I think is that the the sewer or whatever that that kind of like goes down and like cuts it out or whatever and does all the little the micro yeah, basil um, part is especially awesome, but the way they kind of you know present it to, to make it seem super high class, but it's still basically you know classic Chicago. I, I, I had I had mixed feelings on this when I first watched this episode, and I was like, you know, because he went out and got the fucking pizza from a different joint, so I was like, they're kind of cheating, you know, you know, going and ordering a pizza instead of just making one if that's what they really want to do. But I get it. At the end of the day, they gave the people what they wanted because they wanted a fucking legit fucking around the corner. They didn't want like, their interpretation right. of it. They wanted on the ground, like regular yeah, ass, so, like pizza uh, kind of. Right, and they still, you know, fucked with it a bit and made it look like something. They micro basiled it up, dude. Micro basiled it. There were multiple basils. I think there were at yeah, least two different kinds of basil. It looks like man, and uh, very cool. Um, I, I do like the uh, the way they cut it out. You know, with the with the ring molds and everything else, man. Um, and plated it like it came from that fucking restaurant, even though it was, you know, from a different joint. So at it's the end of the solid day, solid appetizer. They should consider again. that. That looks pretty decent. I would uh, I mean, think I'd about putting that. Episode. That's what I'm saying. Maybe at least consider bringing it around once a month or something. <laughs> I'll see, man. That might be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, and I just loved the little bit, just how happy Richie was when he did it all. But I would say, like when when they let him bring it out there and he puts it behind his back, were you scared for a minute he was going to drop it? It looked like it, and because he really put it at a weird movie. angle, didn't he? The yeah, way he tucks like it back, was I thought they were going to slide off. Yeah, I don't know how they didn't, honestly, and I would never. They were uh, they were glued to the plate. That's how they didn't slide off. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the actual answer, but he he just moves it so fast. I don't yeah. think they would have stayed plated like at least they would have moved on the plate. I think at the bare minimum. Yeah. Um, in real life, that would probably not be the move. It would be more like put it on, put it up, like carry it on a tray up so nobody could see it if you wanted to conceal it. Right. You know? instead of around the back especially something that intricate i mean i mean it's not super intricate but it's something that could slide around if anything moves on there it's probably just as bad as a smudge like when people like i'll tell i'll tell fucking servers and shit man because like i'll serve like a steak plate or something that's like you know set up the way i want it set up and then they'll take a fucking steak knife and throw it on i'm like don't fucking put any fucking silver on that plate they should already have the steak knife at the table don't put it on my fucking plate you know i mean fuck up my shit you know it's not supposed to have a fucking knife on it idiots you know, but these sometimes these people don't know, you know, and but like that, dude, it's got to be like, like when that leaves the kitchen that way, that's how it's supposed to be delivered at the table. So doing a move like an angled fucking slide off behind the back kind of thing, probably not the play for a delivery and something like that. Yeah, go over the head with it, man. And that's like the restaurant equivalent of trying to slide across the hood of a car, right? It looks really <laughs> easy, but a lot has to go right for you to actually be able to slide across that hood. You have to yeah, be like wearing the right kind of pants. It needs to be waxed. The hood needs to be at a certain angle. It's not as easy as it looks. At a joint like that, like if one piece of fucking micro basil slides off the plate. Yeah, we heard with the sponge. The sponge, they perfectly laid that out. The one dude's like, I can't believe I've had to say the word sponge so many fucking times. And the dude curses. Like the whole thing is there. They don't curse. And they're also mad about the sponge that they're cursing. Just again, just a nice Oh, and touch. I love it because the last thing he says on the way out is, fuck you, Garrett. <laughs> fuck me, chef. Just so good. And shout out Garrett. One little bit I loved. I don't know if this is a real thing, but what's up when they're kind of in the kitchen and they're having Richie taste stuff? Is that like a thing that people do? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, not only like 
yeah there's always that like here taste this how's it does it need anything do any fucking sugar do any salt do any, you know whatever the fuck herb is it you know whatever we all, we're tasting shit all day he's doing like more of a can i figure out what this is which is i guess more of a fucking game or challenge i you know they're not even you know this is well seeing what kind of palate he has right or something like that kind of or, or it could because be it probably helps that if you want to talk to the customers about it it probably helps to know what it tastes like or something right if someone's yeah, like oh, oh do i want this on yeah. my on the dish like what is this what does it taste like it probably helps to know i would assume or maybe it definitely something helps like that um, yeah yeah oh yeah 100 percent, man 100 percent. but the, at that point you know what it is somebody's asking you about hey how does this taste or whatever what can you compare it to or whatever and you can kind of give a description uh what he's doing is he's tasting shit that he doesn't know what it is and trying to guess what it is you know what i mean so this is more like a more like a challenge you know but it but it is a palate challenge which is which is something that you know these upper end restaurants will do and some some kitchens in on that level won't even hire somebody that can't tell the difference between tasting this or that, you know. It makes sense. I just like that he nailed it too. Like you saw him at home studying and everything. It was definitely like a whole new Richie a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Oh, definitely a new Richie, man. Like we are seeing the and through the course of this episode, we are seeing the transition of Richie into suit guy. Yeah, know? when he puts his armor on, dude. Yeah. It's like Silent Bob, dude. Your pieces rubbing all up in my armor, man. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. And uh, maybe the last little bit before we move on, shout out to Olivia Coleman as Chef Perry. I love the, the scene with her. And you see her peeling the mushrooms. And I, I think maybe just the one thing to point out is maybe kitchens are a little bit different than most industries because you actually work with the big boss a lot, right? Like a lot of the actual chefs actually work with the people, whereas in a corporation, you know, most average employees probably never meet the CEO. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, it depends on the fuck if you're working at right. Like I'm a, sure there are some that are like that way, but it yeah, seems like good right. chefs still want to have their nose in it, right? They they still want to be on the grind and like yeah, in the if it's their restaurant, day. or even if they have multiple restaurants, you know, then yeah, they still want to have they're still hands on most of the I would think almost all the time if they're if they're the chefs that own the place. Some restaurant owners are not hands on, but they're usually not, you know, they're usually not the chefs, they just fucking own it. Right. Not every restaurant owner is a chef. Yeah. Um, some people just you know, like going to restaurants, right? And and I like that. I per, I prefer the like. I'm not a I'm not a fucking chain restaurant kind of guy. But if you're working at fucking Outback or some shit, you're not going to meet the fucking you know. Right? Like, yeah, you just know so. your your general manager will be the highest person you <laughs> ever meet, and that'll be like once when you're either hired or fired, probably or promoted. Maybe that's yeah. So um, you know, whatever with places like that. But I prefer restaurants that are you know they don't have to be fucking Michelin starred, but I do prefer uh, restaurants that are privately owned and um you know on any level over over anything chain yeah i totally agree with you there and i just like the touch that she felt she still needed to to peel the mushrooms every day is yeah. there anything in particular oh, that. that you do that you don't have to but you just do it because either you like it or you're worried that someone else won't do it the right way or something fucking chopping parsley you know i don't know why and i hate chopping parsley like i mean it's whatever it's just you're there doing it must be a pain if you hate it though and that's probably why other people don't do it well like, yeah and you could have somebody else do it but like <laughs> so I, I guess it is one of those you know it's like yeah, i'm just gonna make myself do this you know and uh it's simple but it's uh but it's still one of those things that you know it's gonna take me however much time not much but it's still one of those things that i do just to just to have so i know that i have it you know and uh, let's be honest here i don't think there's ever been a bad episode of the bear we say that all the time but we still like to give grades to the episodes anyways and what we do is we grade the episodes on a scale of zero to three stars, Michelin style. Soup, how many stars are you giving to Forks? 
Force is getting all three stars for sure, dude. Yeah, here, three universal three stars. I don't even think we need to spend a lot of time on that one. I think that's pretty straightforward. And while we're at it, we also need to choose an episode MVP for Forks. Let's just do this. Richie's the MVP, right? Yeah, dude. Richie's the MVP. We agree on that. So let's go with our second favorite. And I was tempted to give it to my boy Garrett, but I am going to go with Jessica, who was kind of the front of the house chick. I just loved her, man. When she just tells Richie, like, I just need you to stand in the corner and shut the fuck up for a minute. I don't know why. Maybe just because she was, like, badass and in charge or everything. But I absolutely love that. So I'm going with uh, Jessica. Sue who's your non-Richie MVP for Forks? Dude, I love that choice, man. And she did a fucking great job, dude. And I think he learned a lot. He learned a ton watching her, man, you know, and from her and everything. And, uh, you know, the, the whole transition, like, she kind of gave him the motivation by, like, you know, you see, she gave him a little bit of positive, like, hope or whatever, and he, and he fed off of that, you know? Yeah, you're good with people, like, you know, it's pointed out multiple times throughout this episode. Exactly, exactly. So, anyway, that being said, man, um, I, I like Garrett, too, but I'm gonna have to give it to uh, to the sous chef there, because he just fucking, you know, the couple scenes he was in, he was fucking phenomenal, dude. And I, what is that? I forget who that actor is, man. I feel bad, but... Uh, we credited him. Uh, give me one second to scroll back up. Uh, Adam Shapiro is the uh, the the CDC dam here. I'm assuming that's chef de cuisine. Yes, I'm assuming that's uh, who we were looking for. He was great. Like I loved him in the meeting, and then when he was working on the pizza bit or whatever, that was just yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, he was just he nailed it, dude. And you know, like I said, only a couple scenes, but he nailed it. You know, and I I hate to downplay Garrett because he did a fucking great job and he probably should be the runner up. Yeah, great life. energy by Garrett too. Like yeah. you, you really believe that he felt this way, right? He was just, like, Oh yeah, for sure. And I think he, I think Richie would never be the way he was without him, you know, and, and without, uh, you know, the, 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 the other two runners up here, you know? Yeah. I mean, really, uh, all right. I think we're at the point now where we're going to have to probably dig a little bit deeper here. We're going to talk about some stuff that's probably going to spoil the final couple of episodes here. So I would say if you haven't seen Past Forks, Past Episode 7, go ahead, hit stop. Thank you for checking out the Bear Brigade. We will see you next time. Otherwise, we're going to be moving forward. All episodes here of Season 2 and Season 1, if they came up, are in play here. So full spoilers going forward. Five four, three, two, one. And you brought it up here, but he definitely learns from Jessica, right? The stuff that really helps him in the finale. 100%, man. Um, the intensity of how she's doing this, 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 and the, you know, with the, with the notes and the fucking markers and that everything's just so on point, dude. It's so much chaos, but she has it in such an organized fashion that, you know, I mean, you could tell that blew his mind and he was asking questions like what, you know, and uh he was interested in it and i think that really made without that he would have never been able to pull off what he pulled off in the finale you know no and you even see that at the end of eight when they're setting up the line or whatever he puts the markers down and he has to fix the one and he does the thing with the fork when he's interviewing people you know and we're going to be talking about eight after this but slick move dude yeah just the whole bit with wearing suits carries forward and i think it's just an awesome change for richie i mean he was the dude who was wearing the original birth shirts because some, you know someone had to wear them right he bought yeah. them things and now he's gone from wearing a you know a misprint shirt to a suit and it's kind of his armor yeah. it's his superhero uniform and i think it's just awesome yeah richie's transition was i i don't even know i mean it's 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 
it's on a really high level as far as writing and and acting and uh and just you know character development the better fucking shits i've ever seen you know in that regard man it's so good honestly i mean you haven't even the little thing here the surprise with the deep dish is obviously where he gets the inspiration for the chocolate covered banana for jimmy in the finale that he yeah. picks up on and forks so that's really cool carry through here we also see I think it's when he goes to see uh, Chef Terry towards the end. He actually stops and sees a picture of Carm and Chef Luca together right. the, from yeah. the from Honeydew from the Marcus episode. Like that's right. really cool. And we talked no about they probably the had to work together. Okay. That's a confirmation of yes. Like when Chef Luca talked about the other chef that came in and was better. Yeah. This is it. Almost has to be Carm at this point. I'm pretty sure that's what they're pointing us to. And again, it's subtext. You have to pay a little bit of attention, but it's all there if you're looking for it. I think it's really good, and especially this idea that Richie finds his purpose, kind of, right? This whole point, in the remember the first scene of the season? He's in the basement, and he's worried he's going to get squeezed out because he doesn't know what his place is. He thinks he's there being punished for being ancillary, for just basically being extraneous. And throughout this episode, he kind of feels like, all right, he, he figures out how to find what he's good at a little bit. I think that's the crucial part. And then you see that going forward, how he tells people, like, I kept trying to squeeze myself in, but now... I just need you to tell me what you need me to do and I'll do that. Exactly, dude. And this is, uh, this is also brilliant on, on Carm, you know, I, I mean, shit, he almost deserves recognition here, you know, just for this, because like, he sent Marcus to Copenhagen to fucking figure out dessert. Carm's a good manager, not a good like general manager, but he's a good motivator manager. That's for he's sure. He's putting it together though, man. You know, he's got the vision and he's got the fucking, you sent know, Tiff to the school up. too, or, or Tina sent Tina right. to the school. Yeah, like she's fucking culinary. Uh, the other guy dropped out, but he wanted him to go too. And, uh, you know, sending Richie to, to ever got sugar manage in the place. He, I mean, he's, yeah, he knew exactly what to do to, to, train certain members of, of his immediate staff and and it worked out you know and, and so i mean brilliant move by him on on all that you know as a, as a whole so um i think that's pretty impressive but you can't just no regular dude could do that it's because he had these hookups and and these uh you know strings he could pull to get that you know i mean you can't just you can't just up and go fucking to copenhagen man and work at one of the best restaurants there without having some kind of fucking pull dude you know Right, that's definitely the, you know, that comes with the premise of the show, that Carm had already right. kind of made it, but he's going back home, and now he's using those connections to help other people, That you know, which I think is really cool. I did Absolutely. like the bit that Richie even did kind of ask for a full-time gig, you know, so he's still not 100% sure of what his role will be at the Bear, but I think once he kind of gets there and puts the suit on there, I think he he figures it out a little bit. And yeah. we see that coming up. And they obviously set up the, the fire suppression bit here. That's pretty much the main kind of subplot we get on the phone or whatever when they check in. And I just like fact electrocuting himself. That that just cracked me up. That's always fun. <laughs> like car keeps yelling at him, he keeps doing it. He's right. just like that uh like that guy or whatever. And we had a couple of minor basically shout outs to fishes. Like we hear Richie say at one point that he thought Donna like really was his mom which is pretty yeah. cool. And then we actually get Jillian Jacobs back as Tiffany, his ex-wife in that whole bit, you know, when she has to tell him that she's getting remarried or whatever. And it was just heartbreaking, dude. Yeah. Um, Richie was having one of those weeks kind of at that point, right? That just added to it. Yeah, that didn't, uh, that, that, I mean, there's no way that sat well with him and you could tell, and I'm glad that he followed through with, uh, 
with his mission instead of just going off the rails, which a lot of people would probably do, you know. Season one, Richie totally would have just gone off the rails. Gotten his gun or his pills or whatever and Yeah, anything. You know, yeah. Anything most possible. most definitely into this version of Richie. Um, anything else on Forks before we move on to the next episode, Soup? I don't think so. I mean, just overall fabulous episode, man. And it really uh you know, really just carries this uh this show into into you want you want the next one, man, and we're gonna talk about the next one here. Yeah, I mean, it managed to follow up fishes, and it's going to lead us right into episode eight. And this is season two, episode eight of The Bear, the 16th overall episode of the show, titled Bolognese, released on June 22nd, 2023, along with the rest of season two. Once again, directed by uh, co-showrunner, co-creator Christopher Storer. This is the 10th episode of The Bear that he has directed. Written by Rene Goubet. This is his first written by credit on The Bear. Guest stars include Oliver Platt as Uncle Jimmy, Edwin Lee Gibson as Ebrahim, Molly Gordon as Claire, Corey Hendricks as Gary, Chris Witoski as Pete, and Robert Townsend as Emmanuel. The short plot summary is, 10 days before opening, Carmi and Sydney are panicking over their inability to pass the fire suppression test. Ever returns and reconciles with Tina, and he agrees to take over the restaurant's takeout sandwich window. Richie also returns with a newfound sense of purpose. Marcus also, again, returns. We got a lot of returning here. Marcus returns from Copenhagen with his new dessert menu. Richie apologizes to Natalie for the way he has treated her, and the pair begin interviewing front of the house candidates, while Sydney begins to see Claire is a threat to Carmi's focus. Fact remembers that Michael once considered destroying the restaurant to commit insurance fraud. That leads him to realize that Michael disabled the fire suppression system. Fact fixes it in time for the test, they pass, allowing them to officially open. Carmi, realizing that he loves Claire, makes her dinner. So, after spending a couple of episodes elsewhere, for the most part, we're, we're back at the bear for this one. Uh, give me your thoughts on Bolognese. Um, I like this episode. It's coming off of a heater of an episode, or a couple heaters of episodes, man. So it, the, uh, the bar is set pretty high at this point, and it, it doesn't disappoint, man. I mean, this is good. They're back at the bear. They're trying to pass this fucking fire suppression test, which is very, very important. You know, you can't open without it. So uh, the struggle of trying to figure that out, among other things in this episode, is it's a good fucking, it's a good episode eight to, to get you into the tail end of the season and uh, really getting into crunch time as far as when this place is fucking opening. Yeah, yeah I think that's exactly the right way to refer to it. It's kind of a connective piece. It has to basically connect everything through Forks to the kind of the rush that you get in the final two episodes. I think it's a pretty elegant episode considering how much it, it has to do. You have to reintegrate Richie. You have to kind of move forward on the Claire Carm storyline, especially as far as it relates to Sydney and how worried she is. You have this fire suppression thing that's killing sugar. Then you got uncle Jimmy coming in telling sugar, like you basically have to pass this or else. So there's a lot of pressure building. And I do love the way at the end, just the sigh of relief they all have when they pass the test. I mean, oh, sugar yeah. hogging the inspector and everything, and trying to be like, you gotta come, like, come eat with us. And it, you know, it's just so, just great. And I love that little montage when they're watching the balloon, waiting for it, and you kind of right. see everyone flashing, and everyone usually is flashing back to their past, except back who just flashes back to the balloon fucking up and him getting electrocuted. 
when it, when, it, when it first went to him, I was like, I can't wait to see what this is going to be, you know, because he was almost all the way at the end of the world. <laughs> I was the same way, and then it was hysterical that they did it that way. They're playing him kind of like a live action cartoon character almost, and it's perfect. Yeah, you know what I mean? He's basically like Bugs Bunny or something almost. Maybe not quite as clever, but you feel like you can never really like, like everything bounces off of him or whatever. Like I just, I love facts so much. He just, again, just, just perfect. And I think that's the key here is they bring all the characters back together at the restaurant for the final push and it all works. Like they bring Emmerham back, like Tina lets him back in, but you kind of see her doing her boss thing here. Uh, we'll touch on that in a minute, but I, I think this really works, especially considering how much it had to accomplish to not to bring us from everything that had happened basically the last four episodes to, and to set us up for the final two, which, you know, again, we're not spoiling anything yet, but the final two are pretty fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, of course, man. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And that being said, man, we are going to talk about this episode, episode eight of The Bear Man season two, and we're going to spoil the fuck out of it. So, uh, you know, we'll save any future spoilers for the end. We'll let you know when that happens. But from this point forward, or since we even started this, you know, a few minutes back, we've been talking about this episode of The Bear, man, titled Bolognese, and we are going to continue doing that with full-on spoilers, just so you know you have been warned. And uh, I don't think the soundtrack is kind of as deep as usual here, but we get a couple of notable tracks. We get Lay My Love by Brian Eno and John Cale. We get Stop Your Sobbing by The Pretenders. The Crane Wife 3 by The Decemberists. And... Throw Your Arms Around Me by Neil Finn and Eddie Vedder. Uh, I, you know, obviously, I think the Eddie Vedder one is probably the most well-known, at least just maybe as an artist. And I feel like we've gotten both Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder before. Not 100% sure. Uh, and I will say that I did like the uh, Delay My Love because that was early when they did the, the Chicago montage. And I think they've done a really great job of kind of the... I can't think of another show that does establishing shots better, especially with the music they put under them. Yeah, um, that's one thing I really did love about uh, some of the stuff they're doing, just to break up scenes, man. It'd be a scene, uh, like a random just shot of like aerial view of fucking... Yeah, the L train, it's like the, everything, the, the rivers, the buildings, it, it's awesome. Yeah. You can tell that they actually, you know, went out and probably shot a lot of that themselves instead of using stock footage. Any particular thoughts on the soundtrack itself? You know, we don't have Trent Reznor, but we do get any better again. Yeah, and I like that. I think it really fits the scheme of the soundtrack. They do have this uh, kind of like underground 90s, you know, uh, thing going on with, with the soundtrack. And I think, it, every, again, everything's so well placed and just fits perfectly into where it's into where it's put, dude, you know, so. Yeah, again, not, you know, as deep of a soundtrack episode as we've had, but we will get more of that going forward. In as far as like the, the kitchen stuff, the, the back of the house stuff, they're still trying to get everything set up and pass the inspection, so obviously we don't get a lot of cooking action in the episode, but there's still some stuff we can talk about. Let's start with the inspections. Uh, dude, are, are these something you have to do regularly? Is this just something like a one-time deal? Like, how much of a pain in the ass is preparing for inspections when you work in a restaurant? Uh, initially, like, what they're, what they're doing with this fire suppression, yeah, I mean, that's not something that you have to do regularly but you do get the fire marshal coming in and the you know the hood vent people coming in and there's there's things where you know it's like i think it's every six months i'm sure this varies from state to state with different uh rules and regulations and standards and whatnot but yeah very important shit most of it's safety stuff especially when it comes to the to the fire thing you know it's dangerous shit a kitchen is definitely a dangerous place man um a lot can go wrong especially when you're dealing with natural gas and open flame and you know sharp objects so uh 
you know, to avoid uh, to avoid fires and, and explosions and shit is pretty fucking important. So hence the fire suppression thing. Um, and if a fire does ever happen, they have these things that spray all this crazy white. I forget what it's called. He calls it as a bicarbonate of sorts. And, uh, yeah, sodium bicarbonate or something like that. Yes, and uh, and the, I've never actually seen that happen, but I know that it has happened. I've seen the aftermath of it because, uh, and you have to take all your equipment out of the re- out of the restaurant, pressure wash it. It fucks everything up pretty much, man. If that thing does go off, so uh, there was a restaurant I worked at, and the neighboring restaurant next to it, it happened in there. The uh, the delivery guy actually set the fucking thing off because the light switch was right next to the fucking uh you know fire thing to make that thing go off manually if you had to oh so it wasn't even a fire oh no. man so the, so the guy ended up ended up fucking breaking that fucking thing instead of turning the lights on or off or whatever he was doing and the shit went off and just fight so you know they ended up having to close for like you know the obviously the day i think it was two days to, to bring it back to life and everything but yeah, it's uh, it's wild when that happens. That shit just sprays everything. It's all covered in light. It looks like you sprayed fucking fire extinguisher all over shit. You know what I mean? That's brutal, dude. Like on the regular, like on an average year, how many inspections do you have to go through? Like just overall. Well, are you talking about health inspections? Yeah, or... just all, just generally. Is it something like every month you have one? Is it just every? Yeah, you know, what's um, the general kind of overall? Health inspections in this state are quarterly, so you get them like four times a year. You know, every every couple of months, every three months, or whatever the fuck. You know, as far as the, I think the fire thing is six months here. Every six months they come in and inspect it. You know, the the fire the fire marshal comes in, checks your fucking ventilation system, your fucking gas lines and shit like that. You know, um, it, other than that, I think that's pretty much it. Except for you know, other than like the ALE coming in and doing permits and shit like that. All right, so that's not too bad. That's you do have some, but it's more like six a year, not you know twelve or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you once you're, I think getting up and running is hard, but then it's just keeping it. You know. If you get new uh, pieces of equipment, do you probably then have to deal with some of that permitting or people coming back in, that kind of thing, if you have to replace some of the stuff? Or is that just if you have to replace the the hood or move the gas line or something? Yeah, um, certain things have to be, there has to be like a six inch gap or, you know, depending on uh, on the regulations or whatever between like, you know, this or that or anything, you know, gas lines and shit. There's got to be breathing room. There's got to be like areas. So there are things that that they'll come in and check if you get new equipment, you know, the health department will come in and make sure it's fucking, you know, legit to be in a restaurant and everything else, too. So, um, you know, yeah, if you get new stuff, then then, yeah, there is that. But that's a nice fallback to uh, them even setting up the kitchen, right, which they're trying to do. And part of it is obviously they want to, you know, optimize it for speed, but they also have to put things where they're supposed to go. Right. So that it does yeah, pass yeah. all that and everything like that. You can't bring like in a fucking, uh, you can't bring in it in like, uh, like an extra oven. No deep fryer on wheels. You can't just wheel a deep fryer around the kitchen or anything like that. Yeah, you can't just put it like somewhere else. You know, you got to make sure it's up under the fucking uh, hood vents and attached to the gas line properly and shit like that. You know, I mean, standard shit, you know, but um, but yeah, it's it's all simple stuff. It's not hard to deal with. Uh, in this case, it is because their fire suppression thing isn't working, and we'll find out why later on. But things like that have to be uh, up and up and up and running, and in and in working order. Yeah, man, for you to operate. <laughs> and we do also see the hiring process a bit here. It does seem like they're digging deep. They have to hire, you know, what uh, I believe are referred to as emerald green people. So uh, very, very green. I love that Tina's uh, kind of in charge, green means, but uh, uh, yeah, green means new to the game. You know, you're green, right. damage. Yeah, you're green. You're a little green. You know? Willing, but green they're also, basically yeah, they're not the best dishwashers yeah, in the world but, yet. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Green mean green means a novice, kind of, you know, a little greener than we thought he would be, you know, a little less experienced than we thought he would be. Um green also can can mean, man, I was uh, you know, spinning and throwing up last night. I felt a little green. So it could go that way too. In, in this case, the the green means uh, you know, inexperience. <laughs> yeah, did you like the hiring process? I, I love the one thing. You know, we'll talk about that in a bit. It's not really part of the food thing, but, you know, Richie apologizes to Sugar, but then they interview together and they have the the woman who you see seems to give a very good interview. She's got a good resume, but Richie does the fork thing, right? He turns yeah. it around and is just like, you have to care enough about attention to detail that it would have, you would have moved the fork. Would you move the fork? Dude, I totally would have. I would have done that in like yeah. 30 seconds. Even if I... Before I even realized whether or not it was a test, I would have moved it without even thinking about it because that would have driven yeah. me crazy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think so, man. Um, I like that they I like that they did this. And yeah, it's a thing, man. Um, little tests like that. People do that all I do. I've worked for people that put like five dollar bills up under something to see, like, you know, if you clean this, you'll find that five dollars. But if not, I come in here tomorrow and that five dollars is still there. You're not getting that five bucks. I'm gonna get that five bucks. I'm gonna be like you didn't clean that fucking thing last night, <laughs> you know, um, people do shit like that. And interviewing processes, uh, you know, if for a front of house, if somebody it used to be a thing, if you didn't bring your own pen, you know, if you don't bring your own pen, that's an automatic red flag. So to some people, and, and I worked in a place like that and they would write run 110 right on top of the, on the top right corner of the fucking uh, application or whatever, resume 110. Because if you take 110 and put a fucking cross through it, it means no, you know, between the two ones. So right away, it's a boom. They didn't bring a, they didn't bring a fucking pen. One ten, dude. I love that. Uh, do you actually really deal with any hiring like that at all? Not or? right now, but I have. Yeah, um, I have done that kind of shit. Uh, currently, I don't have to deal with that thing. Fuck, I don't really. I mean, because kitchens seem to be like a place like everyone talks about co corporate culture and everything, but it seems like the kitchen is you know a, a bit of a family, so to speak. So oh, yeah. when you're bringing new people in, are you more concerned with their skills or? are you willing to sacrifice a certain level of skill because you think they'll fit well into the environment? If they're trainable enough. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. If they, assuming they have the capacity to learn. Yeah. I mean, it's important, you know, at the end of the day, it all, it all matters about the, uh, about keeping everything running, but the, the interior, uh, you know, vibe and, uh, you know, camaraderie in a kitchen is extremely important to make a kitchen operate well. So, so yes, it's, it's you know, a lot, you could say it's a luxury to have something like that, but I think it's necessary. You know, I mean, if people hate each other in the kitchen, it's going to reflect onto the food. It's going to re reflect onto the service. And it'll just like, you know, it'll kind of roll in that direction on a, on a lot of different levels. And, you know, uh, just like having everything move cohesively, you know, properly all day, you know, uh, having a good vibe is also uh, extremely important, you know? Yeah. I think, it feels like more so than in your average business, your average retail thing, or, or yeah, even like front of house. You're in that yeah. small space together, and you all depend on each other. We, yes, exactly. We call it going into battle, dude. Like dinner hey, you're in the foxhole, basically. I mean. Yeah, she, you don't want to get shot in the foxhole, man. <laughs> you don't want to get shot in any of your holes, really, or, right. or even your non-holes. I mean, right. just so don't get so shot or stabbed. Yeah, it's important. It's important to have uh, to have that. Kitchen camaraderie is very, very important to me. Um, I've worked in places where, where you know, you go with any restaurant, you'll go through things where, like, man, maybe this guy just doesn't fit in, or this person isn't isn't who we right. They're good, but they just don't operate on the same frequency or something like that. They're they're perfectly fine, but they're just not a fit with the way you do things, more or less. Yeah, and and for for those reasons, a lot of times it just end up it'll end up not working out. You know, not saying there's 
place, you know, there's another place for everybody who does this will find a place for them. If it, if this isn't, you know, if, if this particular place you don't fit in and, you know, I've been a guy that actually, I usually fit in, but I've been to in restaurants where I just like, I knew this wasn't like me, you know, and I wanted to get out and shit, you know, so, but I still would, I still would. Be right, you do your best or whatever, but you're, you know, you're definitely probably looking for the next thing then a little bit, what have you. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's important to like what you're doing, which we, you know, we can go back to Forks and talk about that and the importance of uh, how they really lead right respecting them, yourself you know. and like treating every day with the you know the excitement you want the customer to have, kind of. You know what I mean? Like if you want them to think it's a Super Bowl, you have to act like it's a fucking Super every Bowl. Every day's kinda. a freaking Super Bowl, man. Yeah, that was uh, so that gives me more motivation too. Every time I watch that episode, it's like. Yeah, and I mean, this is days, uh, when it, some of those days when you're like on day fucking five of like you know every shift is you know 10 to 14 hours and shit you know i mean so so you get a little burned out when you get a lot of those in a row and shit man and at that point sometimes you're like man is today the super bowl too you know um but it has to be you know and you have to make it that way so the one thing i will say is a little bit super bully here is marcus because he does present the dessert and you know definitely kind of blows sydney away and then even charms like uh just like very fucking yes or whatever he said I thought yeah. that was cool. You could tell just how kind of proud Marcus was of it. I, I yeah, thought that was great. Right. I love Marcus's development too. I mean, I know a lot of the season. Well, olive oil, he's using yeah. olive oil in the dessert, even apparently, like getting yeah. 50 Save pounds of dextrose. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Carm sent him to Copenhagen for a reason, knew that that would be, uh, that, that that would be good for him and it would make him that much better and put him on that level of a fucking pastry chef that he wanted at that restaurant you know and i've always liked marcus's character even from from the fucking beginning but like you know like i was saying man a lot of the season is gonna gonna it's gonna be a lot of talk about richie and his fucking uh transition but i think marcus is is right there with it man you know oh he's leveled up like at this point you like Carmen has to be a little worried he will go like even somewhere above this like he can like really 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 focus on all that depending on how much uh, they want to put on that and you get the whole bit with Carm kind of coming back with the the cannolis and he says a savory cannoli what the fuck would a savory cannoli be savory desserts are actually see i'm not much of a sweets guy so i like a savory dessert dude you know using herbs and shit like that dude that's where i would go if i wanted to go save us but with a cannoli anyway herbs maybe a little goat cheese or something like that instead of a you know instead of instead of the cream cheese that you would normally use i don't know nice I like that. And uh, last thing before we move on, takeout, dude. Like you see, they're going to have a window here to kind of do, I guess, the traditional, the you know, the beef sandwiches, which makes sense. Like from a kitchen standpoint, does having to do takeout really mess with you, or is it not that bad if you just know you have to integrate it? No, I think it. I think it's. I think it's a nice touch, man. You know, I mean, I think they're doing that like daytime or whatever, and only doing their dinner service as their. That's what it appears to be that they're going to do lunch window and then. Right. Yeah, if, if they are doing dining lunch, then maybe they're doing dining lunch too. But I think when they're really stepping it up and doing dinner services where they're doing their like, we're trying to get a fucking star kind of shit, you know? Yeah. And if I were them, then you could do just do lunch, like private lunches, like business lunches, that kind of thing. Yeah. Not with open service, but like. I think it would probably be a smarter play to focus on like the in the in the dining in. I think this is why they, I think this is why he did it actually, man. Because having a fucking drive through window for, for lunch and, and having the original beef through there and then you don't have a dine-in for 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 lunch service but you have a dinner service that you focus on all day you know 
That way you come in in the morning, you get everything ready for dinner, and then boom, you have your dinner service. Meanwhile, you have this other little fucking section that is doing fucking sling just of sandwiches. Cracking out, yeah, just cracking out right. sandwiches and fries. And, and that's what, yeah, that's probably what they're doing. I think that's what they're doing at this point. Well, I mean, that's smart. Theoretically, they could basically almost match yeah. the income they had in the first place and then add a whole new income stream to it, which is more right. or less, you know, kind of what the, you think they need to do, given that Jimmy is pretty deep into it. In the, the property didn't really have a mill, dude. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, it sounds more like, yeah, it, it, like, but the problem is, even the tax money's getting bigger if they don't open. That was why it was such a big deal to get open because if they had to refinance, you know, they would have been, you know, forked to, to use it a, a, dude. You know, a little bit of uh, a term that's come back around. And, you know, I think very cool. You know, again, don't want to spoil anything, but I think we'll only get to see more and more kitchen stuff going forward. So we're very excited about that, just like we're very excited about every episode of The Bear. And what we do is we grade each episode on a scale of zero to three stars, Michelin style here. We can throw a half a star out there if we need to, a little uh, Richie like Haruken uh, that was in uh, Forks, but I love that little uh, Street Fighter shout out there. Uh, Soup, how many stars are you giving to Bowling Days, season two, episode eight? Again, it's hard. It's hard to fucking not give uh, these episodes all the stars. I can't give them all. I like this episode. I, I yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give this episode three stars too, man. Just because like it's hard not to, man. I mean, it's, I know it's a transitional episode, but it's important. And there was uh, you know, there's a lot of good shit in it. It's not a zinger, but it's still worth fucking three stars. Yeah, excellent. Like workmanlike episode. I will go two and a half stars. Uh, two point five stars. Very, very good, yeah, well, but it's not quite as good as the previous two that came before it. So I, you know, I, I have to like dig a little bit for that. Full three, but like I also don't want to not give it three. It's you like know? being a Skarsgård or a Hemsworth, right? Like even if you're the worst looking brother, you're still like very good looking or whatever. But there still has to be like the worst looking brother, right? I mean, this was still a very important. Episode. Yeah, I'm not, dude. I don't want to do shit on it at all. I very much enjoyed it, and I thought for all the work it had to do. Again, very workmanlike. It did an admirable job of still being a great episode while actually having to do a lot of narrative work. Now it's time to pick our episode MVP for Bolognese. Soup, how about it, man? Who's your MVP for episode eight? A little bit more open this time, right? It's not yeah. a not, no guaranteed slam dunker. I love that you asked me first, but I also know that you probably want to do the same thing. But I definitely think, man, Fack deserves an MVP here, man. I really do. He hasn't gotten one yet. He's the one that figured it out. He had a great fucking episode, man. I mean, he was hiding. He was hiding in the corner, dude, just staring at the wall. For a he, you know, he had to figure it out, man. And, and he, he got it. And then his, you know, just when he did and he came in, it was, like, I don't know, man. It's hard for me not to give it to him, even though I know you want to also. So if you want to do a unanimous and maybe like who who might have gotten there, I'll give you a who might have gotten there next. And I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking say Tina's probably my second. I like both of those, and I would definitely uh co-sign Fac as one and Tina is two, but you know what I'm gonna leave it up for? Uh Pepto Bismol or the generic or the antacid or whatever, because it's a running theme throughout the episode. It starts out with Carmi has a jar of it on his microwave in the first scene, and it gets passed along, right? Throughout the episode, everybody you get to see, I think Sydney, Fack, Richie, uh, Sugar doesn't, I don't think, but almost everybody else you see at one point is just they're passing around like it's I think it's generic Pepto Bismol, but you yeah. know what it is. 
it's the it's the stuff and it just shows the level of stress they're all sharing together and it seemed to work right it calmed them all down they were able to eat the dinner after so i think you know pepto-bismol or the generic equivalent is my real mvp here i love the fucking i love the choice there dude that's great it's so subtle right they never call it out they just kind of pass it around it's just one of the little bits on the show that they do so well i even thought it was one of the things is there a bottle of it in every scene there's not, it's but it's great it's pick. Cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely makes its presence. I personally can't stand Pepto, dude. It tastes like no, shit. I hate it too. It hey, reminds me of that amoxicillin, like the purple, like you had the medicine you drank when you were a kid. That's what it reminds me of. So I can't. I like. Yeah, but they're it. they're all they're all on it at the bear over there, man. Pretty much everybody's drinking right out the bottle. Drink. None of that cap full. Yeah, shit. No, they're yeah they're all drinking the pink the the uh, the pink Kool Aid over there, man, and uh, it's working for them. So. Go for it. Let it rip, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why it's my MVP, because it's working for him. That's the crucial part. You need to be working and getting it done. And now we're at the point where we're going to get it done with some spoilers. We're going to talk about the events of this episode as they relate to the final couple of episodes in the season. So if you haven't seen past episode eight, now is the time to bail out. Thank you very much for checking out the Bear Brigade, all the whatnot. Make sure you check our feed because we are going to be covering uh, season two, episodes nine and 10 on our next episode, the final two episodes of the season. If you haven't seen past Bullion Days, now is the time to hit stop. Otherwise, we are doing full spoilers for the rest of season two of The Bear from here on out. This is your first and final warning. Good stuff here, I think, overall. Uh, Not as much, maybe you know foreshadowing here except you do get the little bit with the walk-in again like when you see the calendar there's still a post-it over call tony and then uh sid tries to go in the walk-in and pulls the handle off and then she tells carm and then carm like has a whole thing where he tells her oh he had a panic attack and then he was telling claire about fishes and everyone's like well your mom drove the car through your house so that was a a nice little uh, callback that went through here and something that we'll see come back around again in the final couple episodes yeah, um, obviously there's a lot of tension here with Sid and Carm. It has been building all season, and uh, I don't want to say all of it is Claire, but a good chunk of it is, you know. Um, you know, uh, Claire's situation anyway, I'm not totally against it. I think if, if there was going to be some kind of romantic fucking what the fuck it, she would be the right one for him. But uh, but it is, you know, at this point it is kind of taking away. We can see that. I think I think the show is gently telling us that, you know, that this is a thing. Um, and uh, well, it's one know, of those things you want to do a business like that, especially in a high turnover industry where the failure rate is so high, like the, the restaurant hospitality industry. You have to be all in, right? I yeah, mean, oh, you yeah. just have to be. Like you have to almost live it, breathe it, sleep it. You don't. I don't know that you can do anything else. You can, but you know something will suffer. Either way, the, like the difference between hospital and hospitality, or whatever the, it was brought up, right? Like, am I crazy? Okay. Yeah, so, no, I believe Garrett brought it up. Yeah, when he was talking uh, about like you know oh, someone yeah, talked yeah. about like serving people felt a little bit like being a doctor or whatever, and kind of the root yes, of the word yes. like hospital right. hospitality. So you're you're definitely not wrong there. You know, I do like the runner with the Coach K stuff. Like Sid is like listened to it and read it and watched it enough she can like quote like quote yeah, Coach dude, K I do like that. It it makes yeah. sense about leadership and everything that he's talking about and coming together and I think that's why she's she learning worries about Carm and Claire but then at the end she's the one who tells Carm kind of like go for it like 
you know, is she your girlfriend or is she your girl who's your friend? He's saying shit or get off the pot, basically. Yeah, what what someone needed to tell him. So at that point, she chose to be a good friend, even though maybe for her, the the best situation would be Karm breaking up with her. But on the other hand, if Karm breaks up with her, then what if he spirals? You know, you know, when someone breaks up, that's not great either. So I I think she was trying to do the right thing overall. Uh, Another nice, just tiny detail is when they're talking, Karm looks at the tape dispenser and he has to rip that little bit of tape at the end off because it's driving him crazy. And he talks about that when he's stuck with the walk-in in the finale about maybe we're not people who like, we have bad tape or whatever. Like that bothered him that badly. That little bit of tape. Just little things, man. Um, You know, <laughs> I feel like a lot of kitchen or restaurant people in general have little OCD weirdos like that. I know I have a, I have a bunch of them. And, and a lot of people do, you know, I mean, I've, I I work with people that work in complete chaos and I don't know how they do it, you know, and I'm like, everything for me has to be like a certain way, which is weird because like, I'm like that at home too, but not as much as in the kitchen, you know, like at home is so it's, it's different, more like a superstition stereotype kind of fucking, no, not stereotype, different superstition kind of things at the restaurant. It's a bit of both. It's a, it's an OCD and a stereotype kind of shit at the restaurant. Like, not only that, but also an efficiency thing, you know. Right, you're less concerned with efficiency at home. <laughs> yeah, totally. Wait, I don't even give a fuck most of the time about efficiency at home. But in the restaurant, like if something's not where I think it's going to be, then fuck. Now I'm like, now I'm missing two seconds trying to find where the fuck my tongs are. You know, like why are they not right there? <laughs> you know, or anything. You know, so. Yeah, and you brought it up. Definitely a low-key, very good episode for Tina. Most of her moments are quiet. But the one with uh, Ed at the window is great. I love the little, their bare sign for that. Just the blue neon bear sign, I, I think is yeah, really that's cool. Badass. Maybe um, it'll still retro. be like kind of branded as the beef, but it's just a cool looking sign. It might be a little bit of like the Coke, uh, Coca-Cola polar bear, but like kind of just a neon blue or whatever. I, I thought that was cool. And then you get the bit where Tina gets the, the good pans, right? Remember at the beginning oh, of the yeah. season, Sid talks to her about like all this aluminum folded over steel. And you could tell those are the good ones. Like those are the Glengarry right. pans, right? Those are the good yes, ones. Good, good pans are important, man. Hey, there's nothing, you know, be, being a being a kitchen dude and shit, man, you love new equipment. Like when you're working in a kitchen, you get some new shit, man. It's like having it's like it's like getting new toys on like a fucking Christmas or birthday or something, man. You got something new to play with in there, man. You know, it is it's awesome. So yeah, even even getting like the other day, man, like not even the other day. It's crazy that this comes up right now because it was only a couple of days ago. We had gotten some new shit randomly. And uh, and I was and it was only like pans and six pans and hotel pans and shit. But everybody just loves new shit. And I was all stoked about it because we mostly because we got some perforated pans so now I can build that smoker I wanted to build <laughs> and uh, not have to worry about fucking up the ones we had because now we got other ones. See, so he really does work in the kitchen. We're not fucking around here. <laughs> no, that's really great, and it's just cool because now she takes pride in it, right? Like when Charm gave her his knife and everything like that. You can just see how much she's kind of grown to appreciate it and that attention to detail, which we kind of yeah. saw, you know, and ever, which is carrying over here uh, with Richie. And, and that's maybe the one scene we didn't really mention. I just love Richie apologizing to Sugar. And it, it was, was this whole game. thing about yeah. like him trying to like, he kept squeezing himself in where just somewhere to make himself feel useful kind of. And that's what he apologized for, really, and which was true, right? And now oh, he's no, just his, like, uh, we can work together. Good. You you lead, and I'll follow. And yep. I think they could be a good pair of work, you know, going forward. And I think we do see that. 
Absolutely, man. That was a really big move on him, man. That was that was big taking it right there, you know, so to speak. But uh Oh, when she brings the dude in, uh was a Kyle to like to rip to witness. witness. And she didn't give a fuck. Hey, who's out there? Anybody. Come in, <laughs> you know. And the that and the, so of course, like of course the dude that was out there was just great. He was like, Hell yeah, he was all in your name, you know. Um, and he because he was honest, like, I think he did good. He seemed like he was really, uh, he, he really he meant did. it. And everything. Yeah, he did, he did, he did. The, the <laughs> show just nails those little moments, right? That's, I think, the best part of it. And even it's a quiet character moment. But when Carm realizes that he loves Claire, what does he do? He cooks her a meal. Like, how else would that dude? That makes total sense. Although now maybe you could get that he would do a drawing. Maybe there was a drawing with the meal. Oh, was, but, yeah, uh, we even talked about the drawings. Literally. Yeah, those are really cool. And uh, I'm trying to, we should probably look back at that uh, when we do the finale to see if any of the, the plated stuff we see resembles anything we saw. Yeah, in the yeah, absolutely. We should. Um, he had a couple it, of those and that was cool how impressed that uh, Sid was. The, you know, if I were, if I were a better uh, fucking artist at like, drawing pictures, I'm not very good at drawing pictures. But if I were any good at drawing pictures, maybe maybe that would help me out with the soup kitchen thing. Like so pre-vis, we, right? Yeah, it's pre-vis. Yeah. Like you're pre-visiting. Like that's what you do when you're generally, you know, nowadays, especially if you're doing any kind of animation or CGI, you just do a very rough cut so you get an idea well, see, of what it's problem, gonna look like. The problem they were having, dude, is that they couldn't cook they couldn't cook anything or make anything or try to figure it out in the in the kitchen. Right. That's so they had to do it all in their heads or they were in their houses and then and like you well, I can't I can't really make this and shit because the kitchen's not operating. So that's why I drew the picture. Because ideally you would make it and then maybe take a picture of it if you had to, or just make it and be like, here it is, you know, let's do this. You know, so that's why he was drawing these pictures, which is awesome because you have to have some kind of frame of reference, especially if you want it, you know, and it, granted they weren't fucking uh you know 100 percent fucking spot on detailed but he knew what he wanted out of that picture and, and sid knew what he wanted out of that picture you know so and she worked. got it you know it, uh, it basically like the what was it the uh not the good chaos menu he said it's a thoughtful chaos menu. thoughtful chaos yes like thoughtful bringing it back chaos. around and just like she does get kind of mad when he's actually going back to what she initially suggested and that becomes a whole thing. Well, this is what you want. And, and she gets a little, you know, nervous about the Claire thing. But I think that really pays off overall. So I don't think that's, you know, something I'm really concerned with going forward. I think they're in a much better place uh, balance-wise uh, because of that. Yeah. All right. So, you know, I mean, this whole, this this scene between uh, Sid and Carm that we were talking about is fucking, uh, is also, as, as every scene in the show is important, but this one has a little bit more of an underlying thing. And I think this is a really uh, thing that's building between the two of them that's kind of been there the whole time, man. And, you know, Sid being not only threatened, but also like kind of, I don't know if repulsed is the right word, but it doesn't sit well with her, you know, with the whole player thing and shit. And I think this thing between the two of them, and I think they both know it, I think we see more of it going forward. And I kind of think it's always been there. You know, um, not only on, uh, most importantly, on a fucking work level and having, having to have the connections they have to have to be able to do what they want to do in the restaurant. But I also think that this might be something that, you know, is is potentially going to bleed outside of the uh, outside of the walls of the restaurant as well. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good call going forward. Again, just Richie definitely kills it here. He gets the whole bit where throughout the episode he tells everyone that he wears suits now. I, I think especially the bit with Tina was awesome. And one thing that we should shout out, it's a callback to Fishes. Well, Fat comes in, he asks Sugar if his sister Francie can come. And that's the sister that uh, 
she was pissed off in fishes and she's still hating on her. We don't know why, but that's just a nice little bit of detail, uh, like some connective tissue from fishes going forward. uh, I thought was really cool. Later, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, and that again, we mentioned it. Facts great. (laughs) Facts great. Tina's great. They both, you know, really kill it in this episode. I think in just the writing here, the idea, all right, like Everham went away and then he decides to come back to work the window. So then he comes back and he puts his picture back up. And then that picture, you know, is actually of him, Tina, and Mikey, but it's partially burned. And why is it partially burned? Because Mikey was a drug addict and he liked to burn things. And that makes it click. And then Back says, you know, I'm voting for Batum, Jewish Lightning, and he runs into the main room where Richie is working with the new hires. And then Richie's like, you can't say that. And Back goes into the back room and then Richie tells the new hires, I have to go in the back and deal with this problematic individual. Just the irony there of Richie now being the adult in the room who has to go deal with a problematic individual, where at the beginning he was the one who like had the list where he couldn't say the hour worth and like he, they debated about saying the, the lightning phrase and everything like that. But just, and then the pride when you get it. Like you immediately figure, oh, this is why it didn't work. And Richie's so proud of him. In fact, just like he gave, he looked like a golden retriever at that moment. Like just the pro, oh, yeah. like the best puppy. He's just like, I'm so happy. I did so good, Richie. It was dude, just, dude, that made the day. episode for me a little bit. Like that was way up there. If we did favorite moments, that would be way up there. Hence, hence why I had to solidly pick Fack as the MVP. Yeah, dude, he killed it, dude. Dude, if he didn't figure that out, I mean, he saved the day, man. You know, and he, even just a little bit, you mentioned when he's just frustrated, like standing in the corner, hiding, kind of. Was that I mean, in a walk-in or whatever? Like, 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 he couldn't get it. You know, he couldn't figure it out. And obviously, it was because of that. Yeah, Mikey rigged it. Yeah. And until that, because it was rigged up and he just didn't, you know, he didn't have that variable factor going into it. And I just thought that paid off. And then, especially with the touch of Richie having to, you know, deal with the problematic individual just yeah dude richie as i like him coming into stepping into himself uh as uh you know yeah, yeah you know whatever his position is gonna be it's it's dude i mean it's it's great watching all these characters watching him evolve sid with the with the fucking uh you know coach k getting her through this everybody this season is evolving yeah Tina, mark i mean they, they do the job that's yeah the it, but that was again that's probably what you had to do right you have to sacrifice somewhere and Carl got so much attention in season one, theoretically, from a narrative standpoint, it made the most sense because he'd already he shown really a lot of took a step back, dude. Now, do we want to say it's because of the fucking relationship thing? I mean, in an inadvertent way, that which it, not that there's anything wrong with that, because you know, I mean, those things. I mean, it's part of life, dude. I mean, people hook up with each other and shit, especially as like you get the idea though. Carl, maybe not that much though, right? Like Carm doesn't maybe he's had a couple one nighters or something, but he doesn't seem like he's had a lot of emotional connections. Well, like that's that. where I think this might be a bigger deal because like those two might actually be like soulmates or something. She you seemed know? good for him for yeah. all the, the hate and the fandom. She so really I'd seemed like, like she was that. encouraging him to work because she also had a crazy job. I don't know if he'll get a better match. No, like, I mean, she was like making maybe, like fire suppression story time sexy or whatever. I mean, she seemed pretty than, good to me. Sydney, dude, other than Sydney, I think he'd be better off hooking up with Sydney, man. I don't know. Yeah, what but then you, they would like that, know, that would be a star that would burn bright for like two years and then destroy the restaurant on the back end. It could. That's the, that's the that's the fucking. That's it the would be like super peak when they were like 
functioning at their highest level together. But then if it ever fell apart, or even if they had kids, then, you know, that would definitely hamstring you. Yeah. Yeah, it would definitely, it could. If it went bad, it could definitely fuck everything up. Yeah, it could destroy it. That's the high ceiling, you know, low floor kind of deal. Like, if it hits the highest it can hit, it would definitely be better, but the low is, like, way lower then. Yeah. Like, if shit goes bad, like, you're, you're, you're totally forked. See the the problem is, and I know we're past the point of spoilers now. So uh, the problem is the way the season ended. Uh, is are they going to try to rekindle this fucking thing maybe going forward? Because it seems like uh, you know, at this point, who knows? But it might. But it's still going to be an issue because it's going to fuck with them, dude. You know. Yeah, that's. I think that's the exact note to take. That whether or not they bring the actress back or the character back, it's going to haunt Carm. Oh. Uh, you know, because he's in there just. Being calm, you know, bitching about fucking tape. You're not calling the handle guy back. And, you know, overall, you think he did a pretty good job. And it shows you that's how it is, man. You can't miss a trick. Like, just missing the handle thing. Although it worked, really. They got through the service and everything. It, it seemed to be okay. At, you know, who knows no, how. Man, I'll how, still go back to the whole thing. I've never seen a fucking walk-in without a fucking way out from the, from the inside, dude. <laughs> There's always a. I, I think we've established that yeah, so that, that should probably be a thing that gets inspected. Yeah, right. Yeah, probably. Right, probably. and all the money they spent too. You couldn't. You know, maybe it was just the idea that it was so specific. There's only one guy who does these handles, and I think they do go out of their way oh, to you gotta get say the one that. Right. Otherwise, you know, they're throwing so much money and everything. What would have been five k for a handle? So actually, you know what's crazy is the restaurant I currently work in. A couple of like a year and a half ago, or whatever it was, you know, it might even whatever year and a half, two years ago, the handle of our fucking walk-in actually did break off. Nobody was locked in because you can't get locked in because there's a fucking button to let you out from the from the. If inside. I remember right, there's like a plunger thing in the back, at least where I used to yeah, work in, like yeah, a walk usually, in, usually like a, it was more of a keg cooler, but it's like a big plunger type of thing at it's the end, and you push it in, and it pops the it pops the release from the backside. Yeah, I would say a, most, door, dude. Right. It's just but, the, um, the sink handle of that because then if you want to watch like from lock it from the outside, you can, but you have to put a thing through it. Usually it's like a yeah, use an some ice of them pack, are more difficult like than a, others. Some of them have like a rubber cap on it, like a rubber like coating on it where you gotta really fucking jam in there and push it and get it open. Some of them are an easy fucking push job. Well, if you like, want the tight seal, then probably that makes out, sense. Yeah. Well, anyway, ours ours is an easy one for me, but nobody was in there. But, but yeah, the handle did fucking break off, dude. One of the guys came back there and just fucking went in and the fucking handle came off, you know, whatever. So, of course, we all talked about it and made jokes about it. Like, oh, man, fucking He-Man and it fucking going in there ripping the fucking door handle off, you know. You know, so it was a thing, you know. It's a, shit like that happens is fun. It's some, something the fucking, you know. Right, you know. no one gets hurt. No one gets stuck in the walk-in. It's just a yeah, fun yeah, story. Yeah. I mean, um, honestly, I think Carbs, other than Claire, if Claire hadn't hurt him, it would have been a fun story. Like nothing went well, wrong, right? That, he he weirded out, hand. but everything went right as far as the service. They should have been able to get the walk-in back up and running out that long. No harm, no foul. It's just the Claire thing, really. Yeah, my point is the the fucking handle guy. We had a handle guy there. You know, um, obviously he wasn't on call. I think he came the next day or something. In the meantime, we tied a fucking kitchen towel around it and made it so we could open it from the outside, you know? <laughs> yeah, you would find some so way to rig it up. And, and, strand, you know, cool. We yeah, because if you have to shut, you need to be able to open it. Then maybe yeah. you're more careful about, like, when you go in and out, bring as much shit as you can so you don't make, you know, so you make as few trips as possible. But that's about all you can do, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That back to being efficient, you know, but also you don't want to carry more shit than you because you're opening doors and whatnot. Right. Or, you know, yeah, just, you know, especially, especially if it's not sealed. Right. If it's not sealed tight, too, you want it to like stay as close as possible to keep the temperature. 
Oh, yeah, they always got to be sealed. That's another thing that people will check. Like, health department especially check your gaskets. Gaskets are what was sealed to fucking any refrigeration, man. So it's those little rubber weirdo in your fridge at home. Your gaskets are the fucking things that when you close the doors, that rubber shit right there that fucking, you know, suctions to it. That's where your fucking gaskets are. So on all your shit, your low boys, your fucking reach-in fridges, all that shit has gaskets, you know. Even the bar coolers and shit gaskets. One thing in health inspection always checks. And we do have a gasket guy that comes in and inspects those too. And if there's something fucked up and you got a rip in your gasket or that shit ain't, you know, your freezer ain't fucking lashing, they've replaced the fucking gaskets, you know. So, yeah, it's another thing. Not a not a regulatory inspection, but usually those guys maintain it. Same thing with, like, the dish machine, you know. Those guys usually come in and, and service the dish machine, make sure your chemicals are fucking being fucking dispensed properly and primed properly and all that shit, you know, your sanitizers and fucking rinse additives and all that shit you know i just love two minor points i just could like picture the work van of a, the gasket guy with just the thing gasket on the guy. side or whatever just driving around and i love that you could probably tell maybe someone who works in a kitchen who doesn't because you call it a dish machine and not a dishwasher because you have dishwashers and you have a dish machine right yeah whereas yeah. most people would just call the machine the dishwasher well, no, we have a, you know, the, we have the three. Right, you have the two, so that's why you. Yeah, so it's yeah, a tell, it's, though. If you ever hear someone call something a dish machine, you know they worked in the kitchen. <laughs> I mean, you're probably right about yeah, unless, unless somebody's just like that, you know. Yeah, probably ninety. I'll give you a ninety-eight point seven on that one. <laughs> we'll take that. That's basically the average temperature. And thank you for checking out the Bear Brigade. We're pretty average, but we're fun. We're regular dudes who watch stuff. You can find us wherever you get your pods and on YouTube or on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. Please don't forget the flaps. Just like making sure you, you know, don't rig the gas suppression or if you do, turning it back on. Don't forget them. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps other people find our show and our channel. We greatly appreciate it. And we're still working our way through season two, but we're really making progress here. Next up are episodes nine and 10. That's the final two episodes of the season. Again, you know, we've been spoilering, but I'll just say that the, the season finishes on an absolute motherfucking heater. We cannot wait to talk about it. Very excited. Thanks again for checking us out. I'm Magnum Mills. He's a soup producer. And remember, if you want us to fork, we can fork. And you either fork or you get forked unless you spork. Let it rip, man. I will raise you from your sleep. I will kiss you in four places. You can see those guys doing it. Hey, what's, uh, what's new in Chicago? Oh, I've seen this show. What's it called? The Bear. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Bear? <laughs> yeah, The Bear. Got this guy, Carmi. He makes a sandwich. The Bear. And then, uh, <laughs> like, I just had a sausage sandwich. I still got a piece of fucking Polish sausage stuck in my throat. Then he has the fucking quick heart attack. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Isn't that the thing? They have the quick heart attacks. <laughs> no, they actually do that, right? I'm picturing something like yeah, doing they, like yeah, trying. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can incorporate this. I think we can. I think we can. <laughs> yeah, all right, well, all right, working the the bear and the bear, the bears and the bear. I guess uh, that'll. Hey, Chris. What do you think? Beautiful. Thanks. You got a second to help with the lighting levels? Yes, yeah, just give me um, one minute, okay? I just, um...